0: Our text today is in 1 Samuel, chapter number 25. 1 Samuel, chapter number 25, is as we continue the stories of David and what happened in David's life. 1 Samuel, chapter number 25. Many years ago, we needed a place to live, and there was an empty house about a mile down the road. And I found out that the man who owned it lived next door to me. So I went to see if I could rent that place from him. He agreed to rent it to me, and I signed a paper. Paid my rent to him in person the first of every month. And he was a bad-tempered man. And any conversation usually ended up with him complaining about someone neighbor or a family member and he'd get louder and louder and he's saying it angrier and angrier until he was yelling and his sweet wife would finally say now now you shouldn't talk like that about whoever it was and with a big frown on his face he'd say to his wife you know what I mean (laughs) I knew what he meant And I decided I needed to stay on his good side, if he had a good side. And so we cleaned the place up, and we painted and wallpapered. After a year or so, I asked him if I could buy the place from him, and he agreed to sell it to me. So I went, and I got a mortgage. And after I was approved, I went to him, and I said, I'm ready to purchase the house. He said, I'm not selling you that house. And So there I was with a mortgage and no house to buy. (laughs) God had a better plan. The very day he changed his mind, we drove past the place where we now live and saw a for sale sign. So we changed the address on the mortgage, bought our first house. Well, when it was time to move out, I went to the landlord for my security deposit. He said, oh, no, you don't. I have to inspect the house first. And inspect it, he did. With a fine tooth comb, every door latch, every squeaky hinge. If I repaired something, he said, you use the wrong kind of wood, do it again. And he yelled about everything, demanded a perfect house, as if we'd sort of destroyed it, not improved it. He was just plain bad-tempered. He was critical of everybody and everything. And if it wasn't for his sweet wife, I don't know what I would have done. And yes, he finally did give me back my security deposit. And he wrote the check with a snarl and a frown and handed it to me. In our text today, we meet another man and his sweet wife the Holy Spirit spoke and explained to you and me that the Bible was written for reproof and correction and instruction in righteousness. And so we come to an incident in David's life that may seem to be maybe insignificant, but if it was included in David's life story, it was put there to help us to understand our own hearts and to be instructed as to how to do the right thing. And so we begin at 1 Samuel 25, verse number 2. There was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel. The man was very great. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal. Now, Nabal's a very wealthy man. He owned a prime piece of property. And on that property, he raised 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. Even in today's inflated society, a man with a herd of 4,000 animals would be wealthy. And the Bible says Nabal was a descendant of someone called Caleb. Caleb was one of the spies that spied the promised land. And Caleb was a man of God. So Moses promised Caleb a piece of property that included this mountain. And that mountain was the home of many giants. And Caleb, at 80 years old, drove out those big old giants, took the property he was promised. Now Nabal, his descendant, owns that property and has inherited the wealth of his family. The second point is that it is the time of sheep shearing. And for us to understand this, we point to our own Thanksgiving holiday. Sheep shearing season was a time for celebration. And the sheep shears would gather and feast like kings. It was a celebration of giving thanks for a good year. And Nabal's celebration would be very large. He's got 3,000 sheep. And so many shepherds, and many shearers, and many family members would come to feast with Nabal, and no expense would be spared. It was a time of goodwill, generous feasting, and as I said, it's like our own Thanksgiving. Now meanwhile, David is camped in a nearby woods, at a large cave. And last week we saw 400 men join with David like some ancient Robin Hood. Well, now the number of men has gone up to 600. And so David in a cave has a problem. How do you feed 600 men? Hunt for food? Yeah, but that's not enough. He's really in a bind To try and feed 600 people. Now here at our church Thanksgiving feast, we feed a couple hundred. It takes two days to prepare one meal that you all eat in 20 minutes, okay? (laughs) What does it take to feed 600 men every day? So David's really up against it. And he hears that Nabal is having a sheep-shearing feast, so he sends some men to ask for a portion, a gift of food, a small share of the feast. After all, Nabal's a millionaire. Verse number 4, David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. David sent out ten young men, and David said to the young men, Get you up to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus shall you say to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, and peace to thine house, peace unto all that thou hast. Now I have heard that thou hast shearers, now thy shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not, neither was there aught missing unto them, all the while they were in Carmel. Ask thy young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore, let the young man find favor in thy eyes, for we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatever cometh to thine hand unto thy servants and to thy son David. When David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all his words in the name of David and see. So David sends 10 men to ask for a handout. David says, remember, your shepherds had their flocks by my men. And we never stole from your flocks, not one sheep. And as a matter of fact, we protected your shepherds from other sheep-stealing people. So whatever you can spare would be greatly appreciated. But Nabal refuses to give anything at all. So David's men go back to tell David in verse number 12. So David's young men turned again their way and went came and told him all these sayings, And David said to his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David girded on his sword. And they went up after David about 400 men, and 200 abode by the stuff. And then down to verse number 21. David has said, Surely in vain have I kept all this fellow that hath in the wilderness, so nothing will be missed of all that pertain unto him. He hath requited me evil for good. So and more also do God to the enemies of David, if I leave all that pertain to him by the morning light, any that pisses against the wall. So David sends ten men to ask for a handout. And David says, remember now, your shepherds kept their flocks by us. We never stole from your flocks. As a matter of fact, we protected your shepherds. And so David gets 400 men all armed. He's heading for Nabal's house with this statement. By the morning light, none of Nabal's male relatives will remain alive. God, do that to all of my enemies, won't you, God? <laughs> wow. Wow. David's angry and swears revenge on Nabal. Now, my friends, here's what doesn't add up. Last week, we saw King Saul, after several attempts on David's life, come with 3,000 troops on a manhunt. And King Saul slept in David's cave. David, in mercy, spares his life, even though Saul's tried to kill David over and over. Well, Wait a minute. Does this make sense? No, of course not. David spared King Saul. but now after a thanks over a Thanksgiving dinner, David swears to kill every member of Nabal's house. Over a dinner? Over some food? Really? David, aren't you out of line? Wonder what happened to David's patience? And to David's self control. Whatever happened to David's conscience? What's wrong with you, David? Well, stop for a minute and we'll look more closely at what happened because you may change your mind after you see what happened. Verse number three. Now, the name of the man was Nabal. Name of his wife, Abigail. She was a woman of good understanding and beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. There's an old word there that we don't use anymore, churlish. What's a churl? Well, the dictionary says, rude, ill-mannered, bad-tempered, and surly. A miserable man who snaps and snarls at everyone who yells and criticizes. Nabal is a bad-tempered man. And hear what he actually did say to David's servants, verse number 10. Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread, and my water, and my flesh that I kill for my shears and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? I don't care, says Nabal, who David is. He's nothing to me. And I don't care who his father is. David is nothing to me. But a servant that rebels against his master. He is not loyal. He's nothing but a useless servant. And should I give food to a bunch of misfits? That's how old Nabal acts. He's critical. Signs bad motives. He's impossible to talk to. David's a national hero. He killed Goliath and fought Philistine armies. He's brave and courageous. He's a leader among men. But to Nabal, bad-tempered and rude as ever, David is nobody even worth noticing. There's another point that's worth taking note of. Nabal is a descendant of Caleb who is in the tribe of Judah. And David also comes from the tribe of Judah. David and Nabal are related from the same tribe. So Nabal insults David, insults his father Jesse, insults all of David's men as nothing but runaway slaves. And as far as the protection David's men offered to Nabal's shepherd, he says, I owe you nothing. You have done nothing to help me, so get out of here. Beat it. So David says, get your swords and let's go whack that Nabal fella. And all of his family. So Nabal pours out insults on David And David takes up arms against Nabal. The conflict between them was born when Nabal's bad attitude and cruel words turned a thanksgiving celebration into an armed conflict. Now, enter into the story a wise and beautiful lady named Abigail. Verse 14. One of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master. And he railed on them as he screamed at them. And the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything as long as we were conversing with them when we were in the fields. They were a wall to us both night and day, and all while we were there keeping the sheep. Therefore no one consider that thou wilt do For evil is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a son of Belial, that's an evil man, that a man cannot speak to him. Nabal is off with the sheep, shearers, and Abigail springs into action Verse 18, Abigail made haste, took 200 loaves and two bottles of wine, five sheep ready dressed, five measures of parched corn, a hundred clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, and laid them on the asses, and she said to her servants, Go on before me, uh, behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband, Nabal. 200 loaves of bread, that's a lot of bread. Huh? Two huge wine flasks over a bushel of flour, round wheat, a hundred clusters of dried grapes, 200 blocks of figs. Quick, she says, head out towards David's men, and whatever you do, don't tell Nabal. And she meets David along the road. Verse 23. When Abigail saw David, she hasted, lighted off the ass, fell before David on her face, and bowed herself to the ground fell at his feet, and said, Upon me, my Lord, let this iniquity be. Let thine handmaiden, I pray thee, speak in thy audience, and hear the words of thine handmaiden. Let not, my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, folly is with him. But I, the young handmaiden, saw not the young man, my Lord, to whom thou didst send. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth, as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholden from thee, coming to shed blood, from avenging thyself with thine own hand, now let thine enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. Consider what Abigail said. Nabal, my husband, is evil. And his name as his name is, so is he. The word Nabal actually means fool. How would you like that to be your name? She says, my husband is a cruel, vicious, bad-tempered fool. Wow. Stop right there. Abigail says, blame me. Go ahead. Charge me with Nabal's bad ways. He's a fool and an evil man. Now my friends, the name Abigail also has a meaning. It means the joy of her father. Can it be that Abigail's father who loved her from the day she was born gave his sweet, beautiful daughter to this beast of a man named Nabal? Can it be no, I do not believe it. I've been doing weddings for a long time. I always have a talk with a couple about life and about what's coming, how to deal with it. But there is one question I never ask any couple I never say, Do you love him? Or do you love her? Nobody ever comes to me and says, I can't stand this person, will you please marry
1: her?"
0: Right? Not ever. No one says, I hate you, let's get married. It never starts that way. And I'm sure Nabal loved Abigail, and she loved him in the beginning. Was somewhere in Nabal's heart was an evil tendency, a desire to criticize and to run people down. He may be reasonable in public, but when he goes home and shuts the door, he becomes a dark creature that eats his meals in silence and snaps at his family, pours out his criticism on his own family. Nothing pleases him. He finds fault in everything. Let me ask you, does that describe anybody you know? Beware, my friends, of a creeping cold-heartedness that slowly begins to overtake you and you snap at people and criticize and demean them. Oh, my friends, there was once a time when Nabal loved Abigail, but that slow, creeping hardness of heart began to make Nabal such a bad-tempered man that he would... Spew out his insults now, even at David and Jesse and David's men, with such contempt in him that his words sent David and his men into a rage that's going to lead to bloodshed. Words, all oh, those words. The door closes and out they come. Mean and vicious. Can you stop the words? Can you break this cycle? Or is your heart growing harder and harder until your words come from hell itself? Beware, Satan has come to steal away your heart. So we have Nabal, full of vile words that have set David's men on fire. And David, so pressed by those words, he's ready to spill blood. And Abigail, who has so often been attacked and so often demeaned and criticized and felt the sting of Nabal's cruel words. So what happens when Abigail meets David? Verse 32. David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who has sent this day to me. Blessed be thy device, and blessed be thou who has kept me this day from coming to shed blood from avenging myself with my own hand. For in every deed, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, which has kept me back from hurting thee, except thou had hasted and come to meet me, surely there had not been left unto Nabal by the morning light any man that pisses against the wall. Abigail, and her quick thinking, stopped the revenge of David. And now he is willing to forgive Nabal's cruel words. And he takes her food and blesses her and goes back to his cave. But what about Nabal? Verse 36. Abigail came to Nabal. And behold, he held a feast in his house like the feast of a king. Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunken. Therefore she told him nothing less or more until the morning light. And it came to pass in the morning when the wine was gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things. His heart died within him and he became as a stone. And it came to pass that 10 days after the Lord smote Nabal and he died. My friends, Nabal died of a strange disease, indebtedness. To his wife. He'd rather have died by David's sword. Than to have been saved from David's sword. By his wife's wisdom. And intercession with David. So he died of pride and he died of rage and he died of a heart that turned to stone. Beware, beware those who criticize and snap and bite, who assign bad motive. Satan wants to harden your heart so that you never know forgiveness either by giving it or by taking it. Now my friends, you want to know as I do, is it possible for such a person to, to change. What can a Nabal do for his slowly hardening heart? What can David do for his anger stirred up by Nabal's words? What can Abigail do for her wounded heart and her weariness and desperate loss of hope? Where do we look for answers? Come with me. Come with me and see a man accused and cursed and spit on. Come and see a man mocked and abused and spoken against. And see as they nail him to a cross and listen to what he says as they drive the nails into his hands and feet. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. If the thief on the cross who spoke against Jesus, changed his mind and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And another mocker who insulted Jesus, the Roman centurion, changed his mind and said, truly, this was a righteous man. This was the son of God. Scorners and mockers find relief at the cross. Peter, who denied Jesus three times, found forgiveness at the cross for all he'd done wrong. Mary Magdalene wept and prayed, stood by the cross, wounded in her heart. Jesus came to her after his resurrection first to heal the wounded heart, to give comfort to those who were in despair. Abigail accepted the blame for Nabal's sins, and so it was Jesus on the cross took the blame for us so he could save us. David went back to his cave and forgave Nabal and did right. Abigail told her husband he died a hardness of heart, hard as a stone, and he never recovered. Abigail would go on to be David's wife and be in the royal household. And so we learn The case of Nabal and Abigail and David. Nabal, the ill-tempered, nasty man who died of a heart of stone. Abigail, who becomes David's wife. And David, who avoided wrong by taking Abigail's advice. And then one more, you and me. You and me. Who can take hold of God's forgiveness and the mercy that he helps us gives us so that we can be right with God. These things are written to reprove and correct and instruct us in righteousness. May you take the correction and heed the instruction. The answer to hard heart is the cross of Jesus Christ, a loving and forgiving Savior who will wash us clean and make us white as snow. Don't be a Nabal who died and never got it right. May God bless you as you turn to him for forgiveness and the blessing that will follow. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the lessons you teach us, for the warnings laid up in Scripture, that we may be aware that these things are part of us many times. But more than that, we'll be aware that there is an escape, there is a route out, there is a way to go that will change who we are. We thank you for changed lives and for the burdens that are lifted by Jesus Christ when we come to the cross. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. i like you turn your hymn books with me, if you will, hymn number 480, Standing as we sing hymn number 480. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. Page
2: 480. Yeah! might be, if we are angry and bitter and churlish, if we cannot hold and control our temper, whatever the things are that hold us back, or if we are wounded, we know that we can come to your cross for forgiveness, for healing, for changing of our hearts and our minds. We pray that we would be, uh, never be the same after we see the cross of Christ. May you change us, may you help us to be what we ought to be, knowing that you have done a great and mighty work and that you have said that you would forgive us no matter what. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. We are thankful for the love that you showed to us and we pray that we would live in that love. Help us and watch over us. We ask for protection and care as we go from this place. Bring us safely back. May our hearts be filled with you. And may we come to Calvary to have our burdens lifted each day. Thank you for all this in your name. Amen. Amen.